welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 317, recorded May 10th, 2020. Uh, happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. Today it's Mother's Day, but when you read, when you listen to this, it will not be. Well, that's true. It yes. might be. So Next. this is... Uh, yeah. This is all a time thing. We got temporal things going on. But on the recording date, it's Mother's Day. And we need to finish in time to move on to the Mother's Day festivities. So today we are covering some uh, UK strips. Uh, strip story number 19, 20, and 21. These all came out in the TV 21 weekly books. Um, I think it's like issues number 74 through 90. So those three stories took place in those books. Right. Yep. So Varying number of issues. Some of these are longer than others. Um, yeah. But the longest ones, I have no idea why they're so long. But, uh, yeah. They had a lot of story to tell, Ken. Lots of story. <laughs> Lots of story. There you go. Mm. So anyways, but, uh, but yeah, these are, these are, they look nice. I like the artwork, but, because uh, it's a new guy, uh, we got a new artist and new writers in these, these three that we haven't seen before. Right. So I think the, uh, one of them is, a uh, uh, Vincent Alca- Alcazar. Vincente Alcazar. Yeah. So I think he, it's, at uh, least I think it's Vincente. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. So and he did Carlos a lot of, Pina. uh, uh, well, the, the first guy is a Spanish uh, comic book guy, but he mm-hmm. he did a lot of like uh, Planet of the Apes and stuff like that. So, oh, he, he's a he's a good uh, uh, expanded universe type uh, go to guy. Okay, and then uh, I don't know about the other guy, Carlos Pinoo. Yep, I don't know either one of them. So this might have been earlier in Alcazar's career, or. These Planet of the Apes things happened in, in the 70s. Probably also happened in the 70s. Okay. Soon. Okay, cool. So, anyways, so uh, they are veterans of the comic book industry, but uh, these are new to Star Trek, and uh, I don't know if it's as good as the, the previous guys. Right. Well, we can definitely comment on, uh, on what we think uh, after we're done with the synopses. Sure. Let's let's listen to what it's about first, and then we'll we'll chit chat. Yeah, yeah. And can I just mention something that's on on the Star Trek topic? But something I forgot to mention to you in our little chat before we started recording is um, I'm seeing a latest um, rumor that maybe Netflix is considering buying uh, all or part of Viacom. So that would be a way of potentially injecting money into the uh, Star Trek movie production uh, arena. So I don't know. It's just something to break this logjam. We got right. no Star Trek movies. I mean, I, I think they continue to develop uh, the script, scripts, possible scripts and things. But, you know, things are pretty stagnant right now. Um, and to some degree, it's because of money. So I just right. hope... Because Viacom is financially in trouble again. 
or Viacom CBS, I should say. Right. But if it does go to Netflix, I hope the, that doesn't mean that the, the TV shows have to be canceled. Well, they they paid for and used season one of Discovery, right? I mean, they didn't do it for the second season, uh, as I recall. Netflix, but right, right, right. But they, they, they bet on it for the TV series uh, season one. So why wouldn't they want movies and TV shows? I mean, Netflix does TV shows, but sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying. I wonder if I just don't want them to not make season two of Picard. Because oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, well, I would. Yeah, yeah. That's always a concern where there's a new owner, but that the Pike series may or may not even have a name now, so it might actually really happen. Uh, there is a rumor that um, supposedly in tweets that um, that Captain. Pike himself. What's the actor's name? I forgot his name. Um, anyway, so he did it. He he did Jeffrey a tweet. Hunter? No, <laughs> no. So so the new actor playing Pike, who who is Bruce Greenwood? Mm, no. So he's doing a great job as Pike. I think we can all agree on that. But uh, he was doing. He did a tweet where uh, you could have a geolocate. <clears throat> Associated with the tweet that tells you where you were at. Uh-huh. And the geolocation said, <clears throat> Strange New Worlds. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> that didn't happen on accident, obviously. Uh, I, 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 don't, I haven't used Twitter in a long time, so I don't know how to manipulate geo-tracking things. But um, you'd have to do that purposely. And so the theory is that the name of the two, new Pike show is uh, Strange New Worlds. And if that was, you know, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So if that was the title of the new Pike series, I think that's a great title. And, uh, and, and it's something that may be more cementing that something may really be happening. Also, Re- Rebecca, number one. Oh, Stamos? Stamos. All right, well- Rebecca Remain Stamos or Remain? Yeah, but I think she dropped the Stamos part. Okay, because they're divorced. Yeah. Okay, well, whatever. So anyway, so in an interview, somebody had asked her, "Hey, um, you know, how did you enjoy your time with Star Trek now that it's all over?" And she responded saying, uh, "Who said it's all over?" And uh, so. so those were the two points, and I think there were some other points that the that the video, the YouTube video person was making, um, that point to the idea that maybe this Picard, uh, Pike series is uh, got some momentum going. Yeah, let's cross our fingers. I hope so. Yes, that would be great I, I, to see. I really like all all that cast and the costumes and the ships. So yes, we'd we'll love to. See that. I just I just don't want to see. 200 fighters coming out of the uh, sh- the, uh, the shuttle bay. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hope they they don't do that. Yeah, let's rein it in a little bit. Okay. All right. I've got the first one, which is storyline number 19, and this one covers uh, TV 21 and Joe 90 issue 74 through 77. And I believe I think I have this right. The published dates were between February 20th. 1971 and March 13th, 1971. 
And uh, really the only creative teams we know of for sure is, as Donovan had mentioned, the two artists, Carlos Pino and Vincente uh, Alcazar. Issue 74. The Enterprise comes across a huge coffin-shaped object floating in space. The ship's computer matches it up with an obsolete Mark Theta space station design, but it's not on any of their star charts. The glow on the station's hull appears to come from a growth that Dr. McCoy, Kirk, and Spock investigate by use of a shuttle. After they leave the ship, Mr. Spock and bridge crews and the bridge crew sees a giant skull projected on the Enterprise's view screen, but too late to warn the captain and his party as the shuttle enters the space station via a handy hatch. On the space station, they find what appears to be a deserted ship. McCoy begins analysis of the growth and confirms it is not a plant or lichen form that he's aware of, or he's familiar with. They see the same red skull projected in the hallway inside the shuttle. Spock concentrates on the object and determines it is a mental projection of some kind. They walk outside to investigate. McCoy and then Captain Kirk get trapped in a huge spider's web, complete with two albino spiders. Meanwhile, outside, Scotty and the crew see the space station's nacelles have fired up and starts to move. End of Issue 74 Issue 75 Spock fires on the two albino spiders approaching the trapped Kirk and McCoy. As Spock conjectures, they are mechanical devices. Now free, the party moves through the space station and they see weirder and weirder manifestations that cannot possibly be real. After their phaser beams pass harmlessly through the apparitions, Spock conjectures the curious moss may be affecting them with strange hypnotic powers. Meanwhile, in the Enterprise, they are similarly affected. Back on the artifact, Kirk and his party enter the control center of the space station and seize real skeletons. They see what appears to be a huge diamond that floats down and envelops them. In some kind of transporter that whisks them away to what appears to be a strange planetary surface. They find themselves on a yellow brick road with a racing Ben-Hur style horse-drawn chariot bearing down on them. End of issue 75. 76. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy see the Roman-looking chariot bearing down on them. The driver blows a circular trumpet, which brings men and equipment out of concealed positions. Kirk and company pull out their phasers, but find themselves snared by a net, and everyone knows that once you are in a net, your phaser cannot work to, say, cut you out of the net like a knife through warm butter. The trio are captured and taken into a very Romanesque city, where Kirk and company are forced into a life-and-death chariot race, while the crowd shouts, Hail Caesar! to a red-eyed, robotic Caesar. End of issue 76. Kirk ends up winning the race of death, but before the surviving racers, including McCoy and Spock, can be killed, Kirk is brought to the feet of the robot monarch. When Kirk is close enough, he is able to grab a whip, lasso it around the robot's neck, 
and pull it off its dais and onto the ground below. Curiously fragile, the metal man is destroyed, and just as Kirk hoped, the people in the stadium are no longer slaves of the robot's will. They can think for themselves and immediately turn from violent killers to men and women of peace. The soldiers are so nice that they give the landing party back all their equipment. Kirk contacts Scotty with the Romanesque people free of the dastardly robot Caesar. They beam back to the ship and continue on their next space adventure. The end. All right, so I I have a question that I need answered right away. Okay, let's try to figure it out. All right, so after he destroys the the robot guy, Mm -hmm. uh, the crew on the Enterprise say that the coffin thing is is disappearing, vanishing. And then after it's vanishing, that's when Kirk contacts and gets beamed on. So were they still on the coffin, or did they were they somewhere else and requesting a beam out from someplace else? That's a great question. Um, it seemed when they were beamed into this planet, it was like either they were beamed to a planet, which they never mentioned there was any planet like within normal transporter range, or this is a big, huge thing, right? So I thought they were just being moved into a different part of the ship, which basically has a, a, an environment inside of it. So maybe it was, uh, although they referred to it as a space station, maybe it was some kind of uh, generational ship taking people someplace, uh, like maybe to a new home or something. And, uh, you know, maybe the robot for whatever reason that was supposed to be taking care of the ship had other other thoughts and took over the whole thing and made all the people subject to the, to his will i don't know I, I, See, i'm really that, i'm really that jumping would be an interesting story i'm really jumping out on that <laughs> because they didn't they didn't bother explaining any of that so i right. it, it, i think in the end they were on the sh- on the coffin ship the whole time so then how did they get beamed off after it was disappearing? I, I, why was it disappearing? I, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, disappearing into the distance as it continues on its voyage? Okay, but disappearing, that's... They're making it sound like it's literally disappearing. Well, in the picture, it's literally disappearing. Yeah. You can kind of see that it's like getting pixelated out. Vanishing, they say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that really confused me. I, I didn't like that part. Yeah, you, you had to really... You had to really fill in uh, the details to make this story make any kind of sense whatsoever. So again, it was just it was just fodder for the young'uns to see Kirk in a Ben-Hur race. And Spock and McCoy, too. But really, it's Kirk they're focusing on during the race. And right. uh, And really... From a story standpoint, it's a muddled mess. Incomplete, right. incomplete muddled mess. As long as you saw it the same way I did. I see it the same way, man. I see hmm. it the same way. That's too bad. Could have been good. <sighs> well, this whole story, like I think I mentioned to you briefly uh, in the past couple of weeks as we were reading these, um, this completely reminds me of a, uh, a Taz episode 
uh, for the world is hollow and my eyes have touched the sky. I don't know, something like that. Where it was all, you know, basically people were inside of a ship uh, and they didn't realize it. And, and Kirk and Spock and everybody had to save them from destruction and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then they let the people know, hey, you know, you, you're in a ship. Um, they did the same kind of story on Orville. So the Orville right. did one just like it. Um, and I think you had mentioned maybe Liam Neeson was a special guest star towards the end of that one. I'm not quite sure. Uh, the Orville, I believe The so. Orville one, right. Yeah. Um, so this, this idea has been used. Uh, and there may be even more examples of this in Star Trek Dumb. But right. those are the ones that came to uh, came to my mind. Yeah, I just found it funny that, uh, you know, they nailed the Roman look. Yes. And obviously these two guys that might have planted a seed for later on about this, uh, what these Romans look like. Just a little foreshadowing for the next story. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So what would you think of the upskirt shot of that one guy crashing? Uh, we now know that uh, Romans wore tidy-whitey Fruit of the Looms. That's nice. <laughs> uh, probably not. But, uh, yes. These do. This, Romans in the future do. This future version. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it was... Did you notice that? I did not notice that at all. Oh, man. It was just like you turned the page and it's just like, oh. That's an up, upskirt shot, and uh, let's undies. But aren't you happy that it was undies, as opposed <laughs> to other possibilities? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay, so now I've gone back, and I found it very quickly, by the way. And, right and it's really kind of funny, because <laughs> it's from the butt. Right. I mean, so you, you even see a little bit of a butt crack uh, line, as apparently his shorts were riding up a little bit on him. Right, and, and so, what is that? What, what is that wooden thing, just to his left, that looks a little bit like a phallic yeah. symbol? What I is think that's part of the part of the chariot. The, yeah, what connects the horses to the chariot? Oh, that's what that is. Okay, yeah. I, I, I just thought I would mention it. Okay, whatever. Right. So there was a gold key where they kind of did this whole chariot race thing oh okay before yeah. so it was kind of interesting to see him redo it uh, or at least not redo it but you know completely separate of gold key somebody right. else came up with Had the, the same, same idea, idea of having uh people in chariot races now i thought kirk took a huge risk when he's taken when they're doing the chariot race and they and the emperor already said whoever loses dies right and then kirk's like Screw you, Mo- Bones. I've got to win. I got an idea. And then he <laughs> pulls ahead and wins. <laughs> and by the way, how did he win? I, I mean, I mean, you could see, like, okay, so Kirk gets into a, a fencing match with somebody, like Trelane or something. And, uh, and all of a sudden, he can fence. And it's like, okay, we know Sulu can fence. And, you know, people do do that. But it's like, chariot race? I mean, wouldn't you think? That to do a chariot race, you would have to have some skills that you would have built up and honed over time. Uh, and yeah, Kirk was raised on a farm, but they probably had machines, not, not, you know, horse-drawn <laughs> mm-hmm. farm equipment. I mean, like, how did he become? Uh, uh, oh, whatever. 
Well, you the, know, the, the, the Shat is quite the equestrian. Well, so. the Shat is. But I think even the Shat on a... Uh, on like a five horse team, or there's at least three horses. So you gotta you, you gotta be controlling three horses on a chariot, and you got these other guys all around you. Uh, it's like you gotta have skills, but whatever. It's it's a kid's story. Well, Kirk definitely always has the skills. He always has the skills. That's true. <laughs> at least Kirk's the one doing the stuff in this episode. Uh, oh, as, as we've seen in Gold Spock. Key, it's usually Spock or Scotty <laughs> all the time. Oh, or, or Scotty! So, uh... I, I just edited yeah. a previous episode where you introduced the uh, Scotty theme jingle. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't remember You that. don't remember that? I think uh, it was like in 20... Uh, or three, 310 or 312 episode? Which hasn't been posted yet, but will be posted by the time we post this one. And uh, you just you just nailed it with your little uh, Scotty theme. We should bring that back. <laughs> I just tried to, but I couldn't do it as well as you. And I don't even remember it. Though. Oh yeah, after Scotty was was the hero of everything. He was the hero of everything in that one episode where right. where Kirk was a cowering coward. And then Scotty infiltrated the uh, the, Ro- the the Romulans layer, or was it Klingon? And then it was the big hero. And then you come up with out of the blue, Scotty. That was great. <laughs> anyway, so let, I I digress. <laughs> That's funny. But that I'll was have, brilliant. I'll have to we need to bring that. that. We need to bring that back every play, every time we can. Exactly. Make it a little sound bite. Exactly. <laughs> Ah, uh, so anyways, um, yeah, so uh, I, lo- I love the artwork, love the artwork, just did not like the story at all. It was kind of confusing. Yeah, the artwork was pretty good. Um, uh, th- there, there's one drawing of McCoy that's a little off, but at least you can kind of tell it's him. Uh, his, thick, his, his neck is way too thick. Um, but other than that, I think it was a, a very fine job art-wise. Mm. Cool. Um, I really don't have anything else to say. Do you? Yeah, I, I just got a few little little things. Um, okay. The way the four nacelles on the coffin ship, and this does look like a coffin, um, are oriented. I don't know how the nacelles in the front do not um, destroy the nacelles in the back because they're lined up together. So you've got the thrust from the front nacelles going directly into the back two nacelles. I don't know how that works, but whatever. You know, stagger them some, somehow. Do something. Um, I thought that was not very practical. Um, and really... Yeah, that's it. That's all I have to say. Not, not, <laughs> one, of my, not one of my four more favorite issues. Right. Or stories. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean... I don't, I don't really have anything else to say. I liked your comment about the tiny net because, uh, yeah, he, the why can't you get out of a net if you have a phaser? <laughs> well, and how many times have they been trapped in... Uh, there? We have read many comics where Kirk and company get trapped in a net. <laughs> and, the, and they got <laughs> phasers! And they never use them. Anyway. Yeah. This is just fun. another example. All right. Shall we move on to 20? Please, let's do that. All right. This is my pleasure to do issue 20. Well, story 20. 
This is called Slaves of the Frogmen, which came out between uh, March 20th, 1971, and April 10th, 1971. Uh, And this was all in TV 21 Weekly. So the Enterprise is above the planet Santar in its twin sun solar system of Sogorax and Neptor. Kirk and Spock beam down to meet the governor. Just as they're beaming down, the twin suns have a coordinated twin solar flare, which causes them to beam into the unknown. So being a lifelong Star Trek fan like I am, I am speculating as to what the heck happened. Did they accidentally invent transwarp beaming and go off to another planet and another solar system? Did they accidentally beam back into a mirror universe dimension? Or is it something new, like maybe beaming back in time? The answers shall be revealed. Spock and Kirk do find themselves on what seems to be a jungle planet of some sort, nothing like the Santor that they were trying to visit. As they explore, they find little space monkey things and even dinosaur creatures, which leads me back to thinking maybe they went back in time. Uh, They are attacked then by some of the dinosaurs and... Armed only with torches, it looks like they're about to be food for these giant creatures when a flying saucer, yes, a flying saucer straight out of a 1950 B-movie, arrives and scares them off. An alien comes out and accuses them of being spies. Before any explanation can be had on what that means, he is killed by an arrow suddenly out of nowhere that flies right into his chest. Kirk and Spock are then strangled by what seems to be a whip made out of light. Two more aliens depart the ship to help their fallen friend, only to be shot with arrows in the same fashion. The whips on Kirk's and Spock's necks loosen, and we meet yet another set of aliens. These new aliens look just like green humans, whereas the aliens that came out of the spaceship were ugly frog people. So that means that these guys, they're the trustworthy ones. So these new people tell Kirk that they are the rightful inhabitants of the planet and that these frogmen arrived and took over. They also confirm that they are in a different solar system because they know of the twin sun system that Kirk and Spock were originating from. Uh, But they say they do not have any type of working ship to travel there. Kirk wants to somehow use the Frogman ship to contact the Enterprise. So the uh, duo travel with the new aliens uh, to their broken ship that the green guys have, and uh, Spock offers to fix it because he says that he is the best computer expert in the universe, surpassing the Borg, surpassing everything. He is the best. Uh, They are then attacked by an unseen fourth frogman that was in the saucer. So they make a big deal about there's usually only three, but this was a fourth one. So Kirk gives chase with a phaser that he now suddenly has that he didn't have when he was fighting the dinosaur. But it's too late. The frogman is able to get into his ship and take off. And it is assumed that he's going to go and relate the location of the downed green man's ship and destroy it from the sky. So Kirk hurries back to find Spock still working on it. Kirk advises him to hurry up since they're about to be space dust. Then a completely different type of ship. This one's like a red 
ship with numbers on the side, flies overhead and drops what they call a sonic probe, which explodes in a wild firework. The uh, downed alien craft is now completely exposed and ready for the killing shot. Back on the ship, Spock cannot get the ship to lift off, but he is he is able to fire the rockets, and he attacks the frogman's ship, completely destroying it. And then he also attacks a nearby frogman capital city, which then forces all the frogmen to leave the planet. Kirk and Spock are then able to get into some other ship, maybe one of the frogmen's ship. I don't know. It's red, but it doesn't look like the other ones. And they're able to fly back to the Twin Sun system and hopefully back to the Enterprise. The end. So this one was a pretty easy one to follow, right? <sighs> it's a short one. This, is, this does not have that many issues involved. And they they just ended it very abruptly at the end. So you see Kirk and Spock flying off. Uh, in this whatever design, uh, so so this so we have flying saucer ships, we have rocket ships, or are those just rockets? Uh, like, I think those are rockets or ships. missiles. Are they rocket yeah. ships? Okay, and then yeah, and then there's also missiles, but that's different. Okay, so they have a rocket right. ship, older technology, I guess, uh, that were by the humanoids, uh, and then they've got this third ship. That quite frankly reminded me completely of the flying sub from uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Right, and it even has like a seven on the side it, of it. It well, it's stylized enough that you could interpret it a couple different ways because it's got like like two little circles. So it it completely looks like a seven, and then they've got a little circle attached to the very bottom of the seven. And then they've got another dot, like, kind of floating by itself, uh, right. higher up in the design. So you could interpret it as a seven, or it it kind of looks like a mus- musical note a little bit. Or maybe it's an, it, it, they wanted to make it make you think, oh, it's, it's kind of a seven, but it's really an alien language. It's a Frogman seven. A Frogman seven. So this, this, this two dorsal finned ship is what a bomber I mean didn't they use that to drop the napalm or whatever right um, the, the sonic probe yeah the sonic the sonic probe which the sonic probe that looks like yeah napalm it's, it's, it's blowing away the uh, the jungle right right anyway so you know it's almost like they're <clears throat> a little bit they're channeling uh, Vietnam here anyway uh, yeah yeah not a good story so if this is Vietnam, then the green people are the Vietnamese and the frog people are... Yeah, so, so the humanoids are apparently the South Vietnamese, and the frog people are the North Vietnamese, I'm going to guess, if that's mm. what this is supposed to be. And, well, I hadn't uh, thought about that, but you're, I guess you could be right. Well, I, I'm, I'm just doing the napalm thing. Sure. That sure. That's all, all I mean... That's all I'm saying. Uh, but if you, you brought up the Vietnam thing, and, and you could stretch this and interpret it to be kind of like an analog of Vietnam, but I don't know that that is what they intended. But whatever. Was Vietnam getting started in 1971? Uh, it took place in the 70s. I thought it. I thought it took place. It started in the late 60s, but I would have to look up. I don't know for sure. Yeah, all right. So it was still it was beginning, if not 
Uh, yeah, I mean, didn't Johnson, Lyndon Johnson get us into it in the first place? Yeah. Um, anyway, it, I mean, it has a longer history, the whole conflict and our involvement in it. But, sure. Um, it really but heated anyways. up in the 70s. So, so here's the thing I did not like about the story. What? Uh, and maybe it's just because I'm conditioned to other stories, mm-hmm. is that usually when you meet one alien race uh, and you think they're the good guys, mm-hmm. they usually always flip it and you're like, oh, wait, I'm working. these are oh, actually right. bad guys. Exactly. Because, yeah. I mean, they take it completely on faith. This guy, These guys murder three other people that are just coming out of a ship. Right. Uh, with bows and arrows. And then they say, hey, but we're the good guys. They're the ones that are bad. And right. Kirk's just like, okay. you're right. <laughs> okay. I was like, I would need a little bit more uh, validation before I just go off on these guerrilla fights exactly. and destroy a whole city. That's what gets me is like Spock just destroys a city. and He doesn't know really the background of this conflict. No. Nope. Nope. They're both kind of okie dokie. Let's kill them. But quite frankly, they were attacked by the by the frog guys, and they didn't seem to be having any issue about taking out the Starfleet guys. But still, yeah, yeah, and bows no, and they, arrows. They, they weren't they weren't attacked. I mean, the one guy came down. He he made the dinosaurs run off, so he basically saved them. And then he comes down, and the only thing he says is, uh, "You're liars," because he thinks you're spies. And then he gets shot. So he never shoots Kirk. He never even pulls his gun out on Kirk. He just comes down, says, "I think you're a spy." Ugh, I'm dead. Oh no! And then, and then Spock says, "Jupiter, he's going to shoot us." So if so, if Spock is right, if he's right, then that arrow in the chest uh, saved them. Mm-hmm. All right, I do see that he did pull out his gun. So I guess so. Well, and it. Well, there there is Spock's interpretation of the situation, right? But uh, but definitely they were not warm and cozy in their interactions before uh, the one guy got the arrow in the chest. And by the way, arrow in the chest. Okay, that speaks to not a high level of technology. Yet you do have spaceships. Um. <laughs> so I mean, mind you, the relatively primitive compared to the frog guys, but um, still. And then what was the deal with the uh, the tentacles that that grabbed Spock and and uh, Kirk around the, the neck? Right. And then was they had enough control through these things, which kind of it kind of looks like tentacles, but they're also all white. So anyway, so so they 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 pull Spock's and Kirk's na- noggins together and clanks them together like two coconuts, knocks them out and drags them back into the bush. Uh, what, what was that? Did they ever explain? They never explained, no. Yeah. Nope. Okay. No, I, I thought the same thing. And I wasn't even sure if they got knocked out, because in the next picture, the next, uh, you know, continued into the next week, and they're yeah. still talking, so I assume that, yeah, they got knocked together, but they weren't knocked out, because they never act like they were knocked out. Well, at the very end, the very end of the first issue... It kind of looks like they're knocked out. Um, they look like they're limp and their heads are over. But by the beginning of the next issue, they they play the same thing again. And in the beginning of the next issue, they are not out. 
they're, they're still struggling. So I see two different narratives between two uh, weekly uh, installments. Right. So can we talk about the uh, the artwork of the alien? Uh, I really like the frog people. Do you? <laughs> they, look, they look ridiculous. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Very, well, very uh, unique design. Yeah, very bug-eyed. So they've got their big red bulbous eyes on each side of the head. So they can't really see... F- well, you would think they'd have difficulty seeing forward. So it's kind of like a fish, really. Uh... But I thought they looked cool, and then when yeah. we get introduced to the other aliens, I was very disappointed because they looked like, you know, Charles Bronson was exactly. Great. Yeah, so the main guy that's speaking, I mean, they they have like one little kind of sort of non-panel that's among other panels, like just in white space. So yeah, it really floating head. The floating head. It really highlights uh, the leader's face, and he's got blonde hair. Uh, and green skin, at least I think it's green. And he's yeah. got a big old uh, long mustache like Charles Bronson. And he kind of looks like Charles Bronson. That's a good point. I didn't realize he looked like Charles Bronson. But when you said Charles Bronson, yes, it does look like <laughs> Charles Bronson. A 70s Charles Bronson with a 70s muy muy macho must, much mustache. With, with blonde hair, because I never but saw with blonde hair. Charles Bronson with blonde hair. I, neither have I. <laughs> Neither I'm not saying he couldn't have pulled it off, but I just never saw. <laughs> well, he is Charles Bronson. Uh, he could have pulled off anything. So, uh, yeah, at the beginning when they got beamed to the wrong planet or whatever, I I literally was kind of interested that you know what type of transporter accident was this mm-hmm. and. And then when they were on the planet and they were seeing dinosaurs and stuff, I was like, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen beaming in time, right? We've never – I mean we kind of almost had that last issue where the uh, where the uh, Romans were – it was like oh, they right. were beamed in the Roman time, but they weren't. Right, right. So then when this happened, I was like, oh, well, maybe they went ahead and went into the uh, – they beamed into prehistoric times for this planet. But right. ended up not being that. They just – somehow invented transwarp beaming and can beam to different solar <laughs> systems. Exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, that's it's probably where Scotty got the idea. Now that I'm looking back at the uh, the dinosaurs that are coming up behind Kirk and Spock at the campfire, they've got big green bulbous eyes on both sides of their heads. So they remind me a little bit of the uh, of the frog people. Well, they do say that the frog people can control them, so... And that they were being herded by the frog people. Ah, interesting. So maybe they're somehow related to uh, evolution, yeah. evolutionarily speaking, to the frog people. So they brought them with them. I think they brought them with them yeah. when they invaded the planet. Huh. Or they didn't, and they never invaded the planet at all. And, and, and these other guys are lying. Just lying. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then they just leave them all. Yeah. At the end. Uh, okay, so now they have technology again, and now they'll be able to fight against the frog people? Or did they blow up all the frog people? There must be more frog no, people the, just the frog people. It says the frog people uh, retaliated once their city was bombed. Or they uh, retreated, not retaliated. Retreated, okay. Yeah. But there's going to be ongoing war here. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. We'll see you later. Yep, Good luck with gotta, the war. we got to hopefully find our ship. Exactly. Have a good time with the war now that we've, you know, got you some better ships and things. Good luck. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, that's really all I have to say, except to just repeat myself. That one ship, one of the three ships, the one, the the bomber, the napalm bomber, mm-hmm. uh, does a lot remind me of the flying sub, and I love the flying. I love me some flying sub when I was a kid. Right, it does look cool. I like it. Yeah. Okay, there you go. That's a lot to say about this one. Yep, me too. Let's go on to twenty-one. Great. Okay, Storyline 21 is made up of uh, issues, weekly issues, 82 through 90. So this is a bit of a long one. Um, Again, same artists. Uh, And as far as I know, same writer? I really don't know. Issue number 82. Junior Technician McGuire of the USS Enterprise is having a great time in the fun section, fun and maybe a little dangerous section, of Pacific City before shipping out the next day. He stops into an old haunt of his for one more drink and ends up witnessing the murder of the proprietor named Louie. McGuire sees the murderer's face, who the technician recognizes as a powerful criminal in Pacific City. McGuire escapes with his life, but knows he is a marked man. Rather than going to the police and bringing the murderer to justice the way you would expect a Starfleeter to do, the young man returns to the Enterprise hoping that a ticket beyond the, star system, beyond the solar system is just what he needs to avoid being killed for what he knows. Before the Enterprise gets too far, Starfleet contacts them and tells Kirk that technician George McGuire needs to be returned to Pacific City as a, as a witness in a murder case. Kirk says fine, but meanwhile, elsewhere on the ship, McGuire is swinging a heavy, a heavy-looking metal device like a bat, telling Spock and the others around him he is not returning to Earth. He will be killed if he goes back. End of issue 82. Issue 83. An escort ship catches up with the Enterprise as they near Saturn. McGuire had to be nerve-pinched by Spock to get him into the escort ship. Not long after they leave the Enterprise, McGuire goes crazy with fear again and forces a change in the ship's course towards the Romulan piracy section. Yes, the Romulan piracy section that magically is not that far away from Earth's solar system. Ah. End of issue 83. Issue 84. The pilot is able to get a message to the Enterprise that he is under attack. Meanwhile, on the pursuit ship, McGuire has a gun on the two pilots and forces them to continue on away from Earth. Unfortunately, they head straight into the Romulan piracy sector that is just beyond the orbit of Pluto. Hmm. Meanwhile, a Romulan raider ship, complete with Romanesque helmets and a captain snacking on peeled grapes, detects the small Federation pursuit craft and attacks. The smaller ship's pilot attempts to counterattack, but in the end is disabled and boarded by the Romulan soldiers spacewalking from their much larger ship. McGuire realizes what a putz he's been. Romulans will kill all three of them. Better that he should just die at the hands of Conway back at Earth. And Conway is the the bad guy, the, the criminal. 
Captain Kirk orders battle stations, and they close on the location of the pursuit craft's SOS signal. End of issue 84. Issue 85. The Enterprise closes in on the last transmission of the pursuit ship. Kirk figures Romulan piracy could be the trigger of the SOS. Captain Vargas, uh, a Romulan pirate captain, enters the pursuit ship and convinces the human crew to follow his ship back to Romulan space. The Enterprise arrives while the large alien craft and the small Starfleet craft begin departing the area. Weapons officer Sulu, never knew he was a weapons officer, fires six missiles at the Romulan pirate ship, but they bounce off the force field protecting the Romulan ship. The pirate ship breaks off with the pursuit ship on a heading for Romulan space. Kirk wants to pursue, but an admiral in contact with the Enterprise tells him to break off and make them think you are giving up. The admiral says there is something in the pursuit ship that can't fall into Romulan hands. So Kirk will have to beam, beam to Romulus itself for a covert mission to retrieve the ship and its sensitive equipment. End of issue 85. Magically, the Enterprise, seemingly in minutes, is in transporter range of Romulus. Kirk and Spock are beamed down in their Starfleet uniforms for a covert mission to the service of Romulus. Romulus appears to have two moons, pine trees, and saguaro cactuses within view from their covert beamdown site. As Kirk and Spock make their way to the spaceport, they think the pursuit ship is located. A spy in a Starfleet facility radios the Romulans to tell them that two Starfleet agents have been dispatched from the Enterprise to retrieve the pursuit ship and crew. The spy actually works for the criminal Cass Conway, who has a deal with the Romulans to kill McGuire. Kirk and Spock come to the perimeter of the base, inches from a killer force field, and prepare to wiggle their way under the force field, which looks like it begins with some kind of tripwire or something. It's rather confusing. Meanwhile, Romulan security has spotted them and are preparing to pump up the volume on the invisible shield and fry the the two intruders. End of issue 86. Issue 87. Kirk and Spock make it under the shield before the power is turned up. However, an inquisitive space pig follows them into the force field and is fried. They figure the Romulans knew they were coming. There must be an informant on the Admiral's staff. Bit of a leap of logic, but there you go. They're right. The Romulans that came out to find the two dead spies find the foul smell of burnt meat and assume it's the two dead spies. Satisfied, the Romulans head back to base in a hovering surface vehicle. However, unbeknownst to them, Kirk and Spock jumped onto the back of it and are passengers as it moves into the base. Kirk and Spock are now in the inner sanctum. Kirk signals to Scotty to say they are inside and ready to take the next step. 
Also, there is an informant on the Admiral's staff that he must be warned of. So Kirk and Spock tell, tell Scotty to warn the Admiral. They find a small standalone building with guards posted. So they figure McGuire and the two crewmen are being held there. Kirk says the only way for them to get in there is to go native. End of issue 87. Issue 88. Kirk and Spock overpower two Romulans from the base and dress up as them. They walk up to the two guards and tell them they are their relief. The guards are happy to get off duty duty a little early uh, and leave. Before they can release the prisoners, a new guard comes up, telling them to fetch out the prisoners. Captain Varkas, Romulan pirate captain, wants them to be killed immediately. Kirk and Spock fetch the prisoners, but knock out the new guard. One of the pursuit ship crewmen knows where they birthed the the pursuit ship, and they run to that building. End of issue 87. This is almost done, really. As Kirk, Spock, McGuire, and the pursuit ship crew enter the hangar where the pursuit ship is kept, a Romulan guard spots them and sounds the alarm. After knocking out a power generator to drop the force fields, Kirk uh, and company enter the silo building to find Captain Varkas and some guards waiting for them. Captain Varkas ends up killing the pursuit ship's pilot and wounding another crewman. End of issue 89. Issue 90 and the final issue. Kirk orders the rest to rush Varkas and the guards in the hangar, and they successfully secure the building after a fierce fight. Captain Varkas is able to escape. McGuire apologizes to Kirk and everyone else. He is ready to return to Earth and risk his life to testify against Cass Conway. They prep the escort ship for takeoff while Varkas and his reinforcements surround the silo where the uh, Federation pursuit ship is in. Kirk and company blast out of the building just in time and are able to make it to the Enterprise. Later, with everyone safe on the Enterprise, Uh, And on their way back to Earth, the Admiral contacts them. The Admiral tells them that Scarface Kaz Conway was killed last night in a prison bed. Some kind of crime vendetta, they say. McGuire can stay on the Enterprise and return to duty. The end. That was a convenient wrap-up. A convenient and quick wrap-up. Yes. Yeah, the, I'd forgotten about the. Oh yeah, by the way, the uh, we don't need you for trial anymore. He just died. Exactly. <laughs> so McGuire was indirectly responsible for the pilot getting killed. Yeah. Um, and the wounding of the other crewman. And by the way, he uh, took a Federation ship, um, or Starfleet. They never mentioned Starfleet, by the way, in this. Yeah. It's... Uh, Space Federation. So um, he basically, uh, what's the right term? It's not kidnap. What's the term when you take an airplane or a spaceship Uh, or something? Hijack. Hijack. Okay. So he's guilty of hijacking a Federation vessel. Um, Right. He's done a lot of bad things, uh, and I know he was emotional and everything, but jeepers, man, you know? You're you're a coward. You are a coward, 
uh, McGuire, who finally changed at the last minute at the end. And apparently that's all it all it takes. A little bit of, um, you know, this, I, what is this, Catholic religion? Um, all you have to do is say, I'm sorry, and be forgiven, and then there you go, back to work. <laughs> I do like how Kirk has that little jab at the end. It's okay, McGuire. We can't all be men of iron. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Exactly. Yeah, you're a wimp, but yeah, yeah, go go back to work. We don't want to go back to Earth anyway. Anyway, so what? So what was on? Okay, this, it's an escort ship. It's 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 like a very small crew, two two man crew, on right. this little pursuit ship or something. So it's an escort vessel of some kind. Uh, and what can that small ship have that's so? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, they, must never, be... they never do say what it is, do no, they? No, no, no. It... Probably what it was was the uh, pilot was had some super secret information that they needed. Oh, like it's... in the computer banks or something? Or... No, I'm just, since the pilot was the only guy that died, I was oh. like, maybe, maybe he was really important. But, yeah, now that you say that, now that I say that, I mean, Ahura made a big deal that the pilot and navigator were expendable anyway, so that, that can't be as true. As far so, as they yeah, know. It, it was something to do with the ship. Right. So was there, uh, you know, what, I mean, did it have warp drive technology that couldn't be, well, whatever, doesn't matter. I mean, it just, the a, whole thing doesn't matter because it's just. Stole, a stolen Romulan cloak. We'll go with <laughs> that. That must be it. They so they should have used Romulan it. Romulan pirates. Oh, my God. Okay. So, so this whole overly long storyline is stupid, makes no sense, is not consistent with the Star Trek universe uh, in many ways. Not always, but in many ways. Should we start talking about that, or do you want to say something yeah, positive? No, I, uh, I agree with you 100%. I think that two issues ago, when they were doing the, the Roman mm-hmm. chariot race, right. they enjoyed drawing Roman so, so much, they were like... <laughs> Let me just look on a piece of paper of all the aliens that Star Trek has. Look, Romans are right there. I know how to draw Romans. Let's do an issue of Romans. Romans? What do you think? Romans? Roman Romans. pirates? Yes, let's do Roman pirates. Okay, then... well, if you if you look at a synopsis of Taw's Romulans, I mean, even their name comes from it. Um, oh, and Remus, and I mean, it's sure. just like... It's it, yeah. it it was inspired by uh, by Rome, the Roman Empire, you know, yada yada. So, but if you look at them, how they were depicted in the show, um, yeah, some of in in the original um, Balance of Terror, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of the Romulan outfits was a little a little bit uh, aping. Roman togas a little bit, but sure. I mean, they had pants, right? I mean, they didn't have Roman helmets on. I mean, they were, you know, they, they, they looked they like Vulcans. Have, they did have helmets on. Uh, oh, some of the some of them had helmets. Yeah, but certainly not Mark Leonard and, and the and the Centurion. So some guys uh, in the background had right. helmets in, in yeah, Balance of Terror. Okay, actually, if you if you watch it, their their helmets kind of look like they have the. Um, as if they have the bulbous head. So I always kind of thought that Next Generation took that helmet design and was like, what if the, some of the Romulans actually had 
a prominent forehead like like those helmets do. So go back and watch Balance of okay, Terror I'll have to go back. with that in your head, and you'll be like, oh, okay, I can kind of see uh, where they came up with the, 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 the Romulan bumpy head. Oh, okay, okay. But you're right. It's not exactly like Roman and uh, boy, these guys, these are just <laughs> straight, straight up Romans. Yeah. So they never saw the artists. I'm sure never saw Star Trek. They just had photos to go off of, and they certainly saw no no photos of Romulans. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know if they had photos of this one. Well, I mean, I, they, I mean, sure they had photos of the Enterprise. And by the way, the yeah. Enterprise looks horrible. Um, <laughs> but I mean, they, it, you know, they, Kirk and Spock, they saw some photos. But absolutely no photos of anything having anything to do with Romulans. Right, right, totally. Yeah. Yeah, nor did they really know what the Romulans were. Oh, it's a Romulan Empire? No, 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 it's Romulan pirates. <laughs> and they operate just outside of the orbit of Pluto. Right. Yeah. In, in the, yeah, in the, in the heart of the Federation. Makes sense. Yeah. And obviously they're even closer than Alpha Centauri. Because they're out by Pluto, I guess, and then they're almost immediately beaming to the Romulan home planet. Yeah, Romulus. Yeah. Which they spelt two different ways. So at first I thought, oh, it's not Romulus. It's Romulus. Ah. The next page it was Romulus again. So I oh, like, I oh. didn't notice that. Okay. Yeah. So spelling spelling problem, lettering issue. Yeah, so here we go, transport beaming again. <laughs> Way before J.J. Abrams got his hand on Exactly, sorry. exactly. So it, it again, they're just putting forward a, they're just putting forward an adventure story that'll, and, that'll keep kids. An entertaining kid comic, three pages exactly. a week. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, it doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah, and, and I didn't dislike it. I mean, I don't dislike any of these. I mean, they're, they're, they are what they are, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not rereading them, but uh, I mean, <laughs> usually the artwork's really good. It does, may not look like Star Trek, but it's you could tell they really did a lot of effort in, in painting these ships and stuff like that. I mean, even though they don't look like Star Trek ships or space stations and things like that, but they are oftentimes really detailed with like satellite dishes on them and stuff like that. That uh, yeah, 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 cool. Yep. And how'd you like San Francisco, or should I say Pacific City? Oh, the, with the big uh, dice in the, the sky. The big and all dice. Yeah, it was like somewhere a combination of Vegas and San Francisco. And I don't know, but that looks an awful lot like Kirk with glasses on and Ohura out for a night on the town. Yeah, that's a Vulcan woman, though. She has pointed ears. Well, okay. You can't, you can't see it 100%. Because the blonde woman next to her is is just on the edge of her ears. So, I'm calling it. It's a it's a it's a. Okay, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that is Kirk with with blue glasses on. It can't be Kirk because Kirk doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> he doesn't wear cool guy glasses. He doesn't wear glasses, so therefore he can't be Kirk or or Superman. There you go. And then also to the left, you've got, I guess, some military guys. Are those supposed to be Starfleeters with berets on of some kind? Yeah, right. Um, but the dice on the sky reminded me of uh, Picard when they went to the gambling planet and right. you know had all that holographic stuff. I know I don't think these are supposed to be holographic no, dice, but no. but it did kind of was like, well, maybe 
if I squint hard enough, I'm going to pretend like it is giant holographic dice. Yeah. It looks cooler than it does. Yeah. And, and back in the back in the day on the east end of uh, the Italian section of San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, there there were CD famous uh, uh, a whole line of like CD places with 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 uh, with neon signs and go go girls and uh, if you ever watch an old uh, Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry movie you know they'll they'll usually work some of those in there um, I, I used to live south of, of San Francisco so some of that stuff is yeah there are parts of of San Francisco like that but not the dice but anyway whatever so what is a Pino show. I have no idea. I know a Pinot. I know Pinot Grigio wine, but I don't know what a Pinot show is. Right. It's just it's one of the uh, the little neon signs. Signs. Oh, like... Pinot's show. It's, it's that, that's show. probably the proprietor of the establishment. Oh, okay. I'm gonna guess. I didn't oh, know the, the Alcanzar. Oh, great. I didn't know if it meant something seedy. I'm sure it's meant to, but I think that's somebody's name. Gotcha. Or like Louis Place. Louis Place, look. Yeah. So so this kid McGuire must be from Pacific City or something. Because he's definitely steeped in the uh the local seedy side of town. I mean, especially if he if if Louis is an old haunt of his. Uh, right. But who knows, maybe when he went through Starfleet Academy, whatever. But he's yeah. he's very painted as somebody that is a local that understands the power that this Scarface Conway has. Right. So. Yeah, and it's convenient that his uh, his mask gets knocked off when he gets hit square in the face with mm-hmm. a, a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Oh no! Actually, that's a seltzer bottle. Oh, that's a seltzer bottle. Yeah, I just I can't imagine getting hit in the face and then my full face cloth mask somehow flies off. Right. The, the, doesn't doesn't the mask on him when you first see Conway? Doesn't he look a little bit like with Doctor Fate? Uh, uh, a little bit. Kind of has that a little bit point, pointy top, pointy on the top, and then and the eyes and the I don't know. I, that just occurred to me. It kind of looked like Hooded Justice from uh, Oh Watchmen. Oh, there you go. That too. There's no uh, noose around his neck, but yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So this guy. Okay, so. What I did kind of like about this is it reminded me a little bit of the original script for City on the Edge of Forever mm-hmm. in the fact that there is crime. There is drug abuse, although this didn't talk about drug abuse. Um, and there is the seedier side of humanity where typically the Roddenberry-driven Star Trek does not, you know, it's, it's uh, Earth is a paradise, whatever. And um, this paints more of a picture that's a little bit more to what um, uh, the the author and um, Harlan Ellison, Harlan Ellison, uh, the, the story that Harlan Ellison wanted to tell, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more in line with what mankind is now, as opposed to what Roddenberry wanted uh, human humanity to become a couple hundred years down the road. So that was kind of interesting to me. But uh, but this guy is not acting like a Starfleet guy at all. Right. Agreed. At least not from Taws or any other 
video well, I mean, incarnation. But, yeah, aside from being scared and running off, I mean, he just happened to go to a restaurant and the proprietor got killed. So that that part, that part is pretty. He, he's not doing anything bad there. No, no, I didn't say that. It's how he's reacting to the whole situation. Yeah, by running, uh, hijacking by... ships. Yeah, putting, I mean, putting people in jeopardy. Exactly. I mean, up until the very end, he's kind of a jerk. And definitely not Starfleet material. Right. I get, as Kirk says, not a man of iron. Not a man of iron. Anyway, so. So, can I tell you my favorite part of the book? Please. Um, the the drop kick that Kirk does to that Romulan Saturian, where he like literally has his leg somehow ripped around the the guy's neck. Yeah, I'm going back to it. Just make sure yeah. I, I see it. Uh, yeah, and so that and that is so the shat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, you included that on the artwork. Yeah, yeah. I love that too. Right. I mean, now that is so the shat. I mean, do you remember some of the episodes? Oh uh, yeah. The, the, the Gary Seven one. He's taken on like three Air Force guys or something or whatever security guys, and he throws himself into three guys and knocks them all over like ten pins. Um, <laughs> now, that's not quite the same thing as this, where he's, you know, gripping the head and then gonna do, probably going to do a uh, Black Widow twist of his hips and pull him down. But, right. um, yeah, that's great. I love that. But I did like how Kirk's, like, doing all these punches and taking punches and mm. doing this dropkick thing, and then you pan over to Spock, and he's just nerve pinch the guy, the other one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you that's some pinch or something like that. Which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. And then they put on those capes, and I don't know why, but the few times it shows them with the cape and also the Starfleet logo underneath, uh-huh. that looked really cool to me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, they just have capes on. Yeah, they, they... So they... They just have their uniform. Well, the, the whole... They go on this commando mission in their uniforms. At least wear black or something. Something yeah. nondescript. I mean... Instead of a glowing Starfleet emblem on their chest. Exactly. Yep. Anywho. Ah. Uh, ah, uh, UK comics. <laughs> How you entertain us with your silliness. Right. The Enterprise didn't look very good. I think I said that before. Um, the Romulan spaceship was um, a rocket ship. It basically was... Well, actually, it was, it was an interesting design. So it looks like a bowling pin on its side, kind of elongated a little bit, with a very round, you know, like a, 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 a gear shift top from the, from the 60s. Sure. And then with right, a spike, that would hurt. Oh, okay. So there, yeah. So I guess there is like a spike coming out of the very front, and then which you can't see that in all the shots, but and then um, to the side they've got I guess two nacelles, which look like bowling pins again, uh, or maybe vases, some you know single flower vases or something, um, and and it's it's. It's not completely horrible. It's not completely horrible. Um, it could be much worse. Uh, I, but it, it looks like kind of sort of like a 50s 
spaceship where at least they have a little bit of the Star Trek aesthetics that have two uh, nacelles on the ship. Right. But when it's firing, uh, the uh, the nacelles are also the the lasers or exactly right. Yep. So it's like as if phasers came out of the bussard collectors. Right. So, but yeah, definitely looks like three bowling pins. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then what about the the uh, pursuit ship, the little pursuit ship, the red one? Uh, It looked like a bus. (laughs) Nah. A red bullet train type looking thing? Yeah, like a red bullet train. A red bullet train, and the only thing that, that makes it a little bit not that are the, the stubby little wings in the back and the little, like, uh, dorsal fin. Right. Which, of course, are all things you would not need in space. But I guess if this thing does also, you know, it's also operates in the air. I mean, like, oh, an atmosphere. Then maybe you could use those things, but totally useless in space. Yeah, I think they're useless on on in Earth too because uh, <sighs> we've seen the the shoebox shuttlecraft land just fine, and it doesn't have any of that. Ah, uh, true, true. So yeah, you always assumed that was anti gravity or something. At least I did. So it, it'd have some kind of a anti gravity thing, like the Millennium Falcon or the X wings. Sure, sure. So you don't have to worry about thrusters underneath or anything like that. We just magically have anti-grav. But you still have to worry about air drag, and I think those fins would cause problems when you're in the atmosphere. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And, oh, eating grapes. Isn't that great? So the captain... So, okay, so... Our, so they don't sound like Brits. The, the, the two people that are doing the artwork... As no, a matter of, I think there's, I think there's from Spain. From Spain, okay, Spain, okay, because it kind of looks to me like they have some kind of Italian uh, stereotypes going here. So the captain looks a little chunky, and he's eating his grapes, and he's kind of like, like slacking in the chair. You know, he looks like he's kind of slouching in his chair, and he's got his Roman helmet and, and uh, Hercules beard and. It right. just looks like a, like some kind of stereotype, Italian stereotype or something. They probably were. Yeah. These guys are Roman, so they should look like uh, you know a stereotypical <laughs> uh, Nero or stuff like that. Right, exactly. So, so their spacesuits were kind of bulky white things. Okay, fine. Um, Still better than what was in the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Those mesh suit things that they went on the Naked Now episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those were so bad. Oh. Where you could actually, like... Not that bad. ...stick your hand underneath the mesh so that you can scratch your nose and get contaminated. <laughs> yeah. Like, the worst spacesuit I've ever seen. Oh, boy. Okay. The worst. The worst. Well, apparently you haven't seen... Out in the sci-fi land, there's some pretty bad spacesuits. Uh, so the hovercraft truck they use, the Romulans, when they're on the uh, Romulus. Yeah, so with that the looks, giant, giant yeah. laser thing, or is that an engine? I don't. Know I think that's an engine. Okay. And, and so it looks like a hovercraft, basically. So it's got the really um, almost like tube-like outer edges oh, yeah. of like it. it was, like if it was a 
Uh, yeah, a contemporary hovercraft. Uh, like a contemporary like hovercraft, air, right. Air, exactly. inner tube type thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can even see what looks like air intake and some kind of a uh, turbine, you know, fan kind of thing forcing air down into the skirt, the rubber skirt. Oh, that's cool. Um, so it, it just reminded me of a modern uh, hovercraft. The big engine on the top reminded me of Star Wars. Yes, yes. The land speeders. Agreed. Yep. Da, 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 and I felt bad for the pink. Ah! Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Romulus has pigs. That did they even have anything that looks like outer space or anything on them, or just it looked like a normal? Uh, it looked like Earth a boar. Pig. It looked like a a wild boar. Okay. With the tusks and everything. Right. Nope, nothing made it a space pig. Okay. And um, it has cactuses, saguaro cactuses, on Romulus, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yet in the in the background, you see what looks like pine trees or some kind of an evergreen. Uh, in in you know off in the distance, uh, sure. you know framing the moon or the moons, whatever. And then closer to them, it looks like more of a a desert kind of thing with saguaro cactuses. Okay, sure, why not? I guess to people in the UK that may seem otherworldly, but I'm in Arizona and that's in that's out my backyard. So <laughs> anyway. All right. What else you got? That's it. That's all I'd say. Yeah, same here. All right, then. So uh, next week, we're going to take a break from uh, some of the older stuff and read some of the newer stuff. Oh, yay! Waypoint, I hear. Yeah, Waypoint, which I haven't read these, so they, you know, as Waypoint is, it could go anywhere in the Star Trek universe, including including the UK and Gold Gold Key. So uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, they can go anywhere. And... Uh, from the covers, it looks like they're mixing people together in one story, or maybe they're in different stories and separated. Because I see Esri, Esri Dax, as like a captain, so that'll be cool. On, yep, it, on the cover, of one of them. What the books did, yeah, yeah, that that'd be great to see her. But it also has Kirk and Spock on there, right? Right. So maybe that's a second story. I don't know yet. Yeah. So these are the the two the two uh, annuals or specials that they've done both in 2018 and 2019. So I think one's called Special Number One, and the other one's called Special 2019. So yeah, right. Uh, we'll do both of those. And depending on where you see them, they're also referred to as Waypoint Special Number One and Waypoint Special Number Two. Um, uh, at least that's the way Lone Star shows it, and. Uh, uh, the uh, my my PDF or not a PDF uh, CRZ well whatever CBZ whatever from it is Comicsology from Comicsology also calls it um, number one right uh, although a... in other places you look there is no number one and number two it's like 2018 like you say in 2019 right so it depends where you look but be out there and get it kids yeah yeah if you don't Definitely. have it already so that you can uh, read along. So I don't know. Usually there's like three stories in each one, so uh, we should get lots of little little stories from all over the Star Trek universe. I'm looking right. forward to it. Me too. All right. Yeah, get, so, get back to something a little bit more contemporary with contemporary quality. Uh, I'm not saying that there isn't quality 
in the uh-huh. UK comics, but looking forward to getting back to that. Right, right. We haven't done a, a contemporary one in a while. Right. All right, then. Well, thank you for everybody for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.